0: We are continuing uh, where we left off. This is Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. And we are continuing. It is 523, 2021. We're continuing with the thought of the week and prayer. Okay,
1: I'll, I'll start with the thought of the week, but I first wanted to give a little commentary before giving the thought of the week. And this is, I I was reading over the thought of the week, and it reminded me of Matthew 11. And I love these verses, Um, starting in verse 27. All things have been handed over to me, this is Christ talking, by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me all who labor and are heavily laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul for my yoke is easy and my burden is light i love those verses because there was a while ago that i learned that that is the reaction to salvation Understanding that all of the work has been done already, mm-hmm. even with the extent of the bad news and hearing about condemnation for anyone born in Adam, and then hearing the good news that all the work for our salvation was already completed by Christ. And we come to learn these things through his word and i just wanted to mention that before i go into the thought of the week because it's about going even further from there so uh, we don't just stop at salvation there is much more going on in fact christ said in john 16 12, i have much more to say to you and here's the thought of the week a disciple is defined as a student under discipline there were many times when Jesus did not have the full attention of his disciples, but he does now. He begins with words of comfort. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. From John 14:1. I can imagine if I was there and in their sandals, I would be hanging on his every word. Except for uttering a few clarifying questions, the disciples allowed Jesus to teach them for the next four chapters. With all that is recorded for us, we can see that Jesus reaches limitations to what he could share and what they could properly understand. And with all the teaching that went on over the three years, there was still much more Jesus had to say. Still? Some conditions had to be met before information could be understood. It all hinged on the promise of the Holy Spirit, also known as the Spirit of Truth. The limitation is not that Jesus doesn't have the information, for he could have continued teaching. In our experience with the Word of God, he usually stops short of what God—we usually stop short— of what God wants to tell us. Sometimes it is our own selfishness in satisfying temporal things or that burning question on our mind. We must learn to be more patient and allow God to answer questions we haven't yet asked. Allow God to water our souls with his word. Allow him to lead and guide us into that much more truth. That not only satisfies, but is also our destiny in Christ. And that is the thought of the week. Um, added with my commentary, we can see that there is much learning to be done, but we can go about it patiently and allow God to answer these questions in His time. And now I'll have Dave to prayer.
2: Do we have any special prayer requests?
0: Uh, just the, the families that are still grieving. Um, there's uh, grieving going on in Maryland as well for some of the families or people that were lost. So, and
1: just pray for me and my family. Okay. okay. Go ahead. I'll
2: let's go ahead. for the Lord of Grace. The Father, we come to you, Lord, giving special prayers to those who are still in grief, Father. Pray for those who are also on this conference call. Pray for the families, Father, so you may comfort them, Lord. Father, we also ask you, Lord, as we go out into the world, that you will seek us, Father, so we can continually give in the word of truth, true Father and those who are positive may want to hear from us, Father, you know who they are. You know who they want, their desires, Father. So we ask you, Lord, to protect us while we are in enemy territory. Father, we ask you, Lord, to continue our service, Father. You allow the Spirit to teach us, Father. given to us the message of our pastor that we can still go in grace into the knowledge of our Lord and Saint Jesus Christ. We ask you of Father, the for day. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, uh, Dwight and Dave. And we are going to continue where we left off uh, last week uh, with verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So you have some notes, uh, and in your notes today, many are talking about the Holy Spirit and rightfully so. He makes a tremendous difference in our lives today. If we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, we should begin with what our Lord said about Him. To me, what Jesus says guides my thinking on what this new age is all about and What would be the spirit's role? I think we have far more information than we think, and there should be no ignorance on how the spirit works. That would be in an ideal world. However, that is not the case. The spirit of truth is mixed up with emotion and fanaticism. And to that extent, many are far from what Jesus told us about the Spirit. Let us take our time with these very precious words of our Lord. I would say precious, also timely, in our age that we live in. Because what we find, uh, the same things that were going on in the early Corinthian church, For the most part, a lot of that is still going on today, even though we have in writing instructions to the contrary. But what we want to do is focus our attention on what Jesus said about who the Spirit of Truth was, what his role would be, how he would respond, why is he even coming, What, what was the point in all of that. So I think this last discourse in John is very important to... Us, in this time we live in, where we see abuses, and we see uh, ignorance, uh, disregard of the Word of God. Uh, we, we have to, uh, I would say, fight to keep the Word in its proper place. Thy Word is truth. So let's go through it. These are some, this, obviously, we're not going to finish this verse today, as you can probably tell by your notes. Uh, but... There is a lot to cover, so we will proceed. Uh, so we'll take the first phrase, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes. So the context is that the spirit of truth will come and supply information, truth, as well as guidance. So we have been seeing this uh, promised by Jesus to the disciples. Uh, in the previous verse, he had much more to tell them, more than they could now bear. So what, what we understood from last week was that the Spirit would be on his way and he would provide the things needed so that that communication, that truth, that information would be able to be received. And that's important for us because uh, being on the other side of Pentecost where the Spirit of Truth came, We can look back at how that whole uh, thing developed between Jesus, the disciples, between the Spirit coming, the promises, all of that. We are able to see it from our vantage point even clearer than the disciples could. Um, When I say clearer, I mean just because we kind of look back on things that they had to go through. We can look back on the death, the burial, the resurrection. (laughs) As we read these things, we know that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. We could see his uh, prophetic statements about what would happen. And then we also see uh, New Age information that was not a part of what Israel had. Even the disciples could see that there was something new going on, and they said, well, since we're out there, we don't know what's going to happen next. Is it at this time you're going to restore Israel? And Jesus says, no, no, it's not time for you to know this. Don't worry. When the Spirit comes, don't worry. He's going to teach you all these things. You're going to be able to sort it out. Sure enough, that's what we get. We get the Spirit's guidance as well as the exposing uh, us to information that we would have never known otherwise. So we're moving on in our notes. Point B. So... The expectation was that the disciples could not bear or handle the truth that Jesus must tell uh, Tell them. So, the, through the coming of the Spirit, they would be equipped and informed. That's one thing to note. It would satisfy what they lacked, what they needed. <clears throat> the Spirit would, would satisfy. This is not the first time this was spoken. And so, Jesus said... In John chapter fourteen, sixteen, and seventeen, I'm going to uh, send the Spirit of Truth. He will remind you of everything I have said to you, and also He will teach you all things. And then in twenty six as well, He talked about the Spirit, uh, the Comforter, the Spirit. And in fifteen twenty six, and we also have, <clears throat> have in sixteen eight, where we learn that the Spirit, when He comes. He would also have a new ministry to teach the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. So we saw that <clears throat> in our context. <clears throat> so we're moving forward just to note that this is its not just the first time Jesus is saying that this when the Spirit comes. It's been a constant theme and even when he wasn't saying it, he was talking about the dynamics of the spiritual life that we would have when the Spirit comes. So point C, the disciples' attention should be tuned to Jesus' words. I would think, as I read the crescendo of events that are happening, that he's their teacher, and they know it, and they've been following him around, they've been learning from him all this time, they've been watching the signs, the wonders, the miracles, so, but, but this conversation seems to be raised to a new level, a different point that Jesus is trying to make with them. In fact, he's also talking about leaving, which should gain uh, their attention as well, although it gained their emotional attention more so. So <clears throat> it should be our focus now as well to understand the revelation to come. Not only should it have been their focus, it should be ours. And if you are not focused on this truth, this revelation, if this is not what it excites you or is the uh, understanding of your calling, then you are missing out on the greatest revelation ever from God. This is greater, much greater than the Mosaic Law. According to the scriptures, this is the Father's eternal purpose. So I would think we would be very careful to listen carefully, uh, attentively to the words of Christ. Point D. Uh, This is a reminder. Who is the Spirit of Truth? He is God. And literally, that's what Peter thought about who this Spirit of Truth was when he came. If you go, and we have been there to Acts chapter 5, 3, and 4. This is a very good scripture. There's others. But there's a a very good scripture that speaks to the fact that Jesus, uh, no, I'm sorry, Peter thinks that the Holy Spirit is God. I'll turn to it just in case we haven't. I know we covered it before, but um, I'll turn to it. Acts 5, 3, and 4. You know the, the story, and I'll pick up right where it says, Then Peter said to Ananias, And here it is, but to God. So, so if you compare verses uh, 3 with verse 4, you see that Peter directly says, uh, you lied to the Holy Spirit. Right? And then in verse 4, he says, you have not just lied to human beings, but you have lied to God. And so obviously the, the point here is unequivocally and even if you don't think the Holy Spirit is God, Peter did. <laughs> he is an apostle. He, uh, these words were penned by Luke. And, and I, would, I would think the word of God is true here over um, what your opinions are. Anyway, so then you have the Holy Spirit who comes, who, who is another one. Like Christ says, I'm going to send another counselor, another like me. And Holy Spirit is a person. And it's unfortunate how some have relegated the Holy Spirit to just some active force, some wave of emotion or emotional feeling or goosebumps, spiritual goosebumps. That's the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, many have not understood that we're talking about God here, just like Peter said, the respect and the awesome reverence that we have for God should also be uh, for God the Holy Spirit, who is working in us to lead and guide us into all truth. Point E: We're moving forward. What expectation do you have so far about when the Spirit of when He the Spirit of Truth comes? So that's what our phrase is: when He the Spirit of Truth comes. I would hope, just like we said, we should be in an air of expectation, right? We should have a spirit of wondering what's next. Like you told me, you we're at this point where you've told me a lot of things. Now you're telling me you got much more to tell me, more than I can handle. I can't handle it now. So now I should be, you know, expecting something. What is it that we should expect? Should we expect a wave of emotion to just sweep over the church? Or should we expect... More knowledge, more wisdom, more truth, all truth. I think the latter, right? We should be expecting truth. And that seems to be the expectation that Christ is setting. He is not setting any other expectation. It is all about the dissemination of information to the disciples, preparing them for what is ahead. I don't get anything else. What do you get? Think about the question. Maybe if you just think about the question, we can provide the answer by Scripture. Right? So let's keep going. But when he, the Spirit of Truth, comes, what will he do? He will guide you. Right. So we're going to stop it. He will guide you. And you know, we're, we're, we're taking our time, as I said, uh, these words have been used For us, these words are classic. And I say classic not in the sense that they stand out above other scriptures or anything, but is that we heavily depend on them for our understanding about the church age in which we happen to find ourselves. We live in the church age. We were born in this age. And to understand the truth about it, there's no way we can come to this information on our own. We must depend, rely, and trust on God the Holy Spirit. And we know that the Holy Spirit is not leading us down some road that is not going to grow us up in Christ, in the knowledge of Christ. We know that the Spirit is taken from what belongs to Christ, and he is, that is what he is revealing to us. And we'll get all of that as we get into this verse and uh, in the next context as well. So so the first thought is, let's look at he will guide you. So you have the word guide here in the Greek, and here's what it means. To be a guide, to lead one's way to guide. Uh, point number two is to be a guide or a teacher. And as you notice, I have that underlined. Because I think of all of the ways the Holy Spirit leads us, literally, here you have it right here. And we're going to talk about that a little more. Or to give guidance. That, that as well. I just didn't underline it. All this comes from there as a definition for the Greek word. So in point B, that the fact that God gave us a guide says we needed a guide. And we are incapable... Of arriving at truth on our own, especially this truth. So uh, I give a couple of scriptures here in this regard. The first one is Ephesians two one through three, which talks about where we were found. Uh, we were dead in our transgressions and sins, in which we used to live when we followed the ways of this world, the, the ruler of this of the of the air. Um, he he's at work and causing everyone to be disobedient. All of that is found in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. So we know we don't have any information about truth uh, or being led into truth when we're born because that is the state we're in. We're born in sin. We're born dead. But then 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, it says that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, Neither has it entered into the heart of mind of man, the things that God has prepared for us who love him. so uh, if you if you were to go to verse ten, you would have, but these things, these things are the things that are revealed to us by the Spirit, right? So we have the Spirit to tell us things that we could not possibly know as human beings. and not only that, obviously these things in the previous verse say that they are far outside the realm of human understanding. So you have to have the spirit in order to understand these things. You need to guide someone to to walk you through these things or else you just won't have them. So simply put. Point C, we're moving in. Internal intuition. Emotional hunches. And what feels or seems right is not the guidance of the spirit of truth. Spirit's guiding is equal to spirit's teaching the word. And this is, <clears throat> this is an important point, I, I have to say. This point right here, maybe all of them are important, I'm not saying that. But here is where people get the idea that somehow they're, they have some internal you know, guidance system. You know, If it's truth, they're going to detect it. <clears throat> if, if it's truth, between truth and error, their hearts and their internal guidance, truth system, will somehow sniff it out or detect it. And that's wrong. We just talked about the state in which we all find ourselves. We have no understanding, no familiarity with truth whatsoever. It is hidden from us. Uh, the the truth that we have, that the Spirit is revealing, right? No eye has seen, no ear has heard. So there's no intuition or some feeling or hunch that you have. You you can't depend on those things for truth. Truth must have the guidance of the Holy Spirit, or else it's not... First of all, you're not going to figure it out. You're not going to guess what it is. It's not something that you would even imagine, and I like it in Ephesians. It says that He will, the Holy Spirit will give us more than we can. God will give us more than we can ask or imagine. And and in our verse here, it tells us that it, it, it's not even in the heart of man, not even a thought that could pierce into the the conception of man. So we know that we have to look outside of ourselves for what truth is we can't look at emotion or what feels good or what seems right right a lot of people will go by and say truth is what is has been taught according to their standards of of tradition or their culture or even like what kind of music they like if it if it goes in and and goes through all of that and the person feels good about it then that's their barometer for what truth is and and that's unfortunately not a good barometer for truth how a person feels about it and that's what I'm trying to dispel here and you know I we're going to have to learn what sp- the spirit of truth uh, is and how it, he works in our heart, right? What is the effect that the Spirit of Truth has on us uh, causing us to be able to apprehend things that are not natural to our thinking? That's what, what we have here. It, it, it literally, so here, this phrase here, Spirit's guiding, in other words, what do we mean by the Spirit will guide us? It means not only will he expose us, what the truth is but he will teach us what it means and that's the difference right there we have to see that anyone can read the bible i mean we could take up the bible as an academic book in school and uh, i did when i was in college and that doesn't mean that the spirit is teaching me because i am studying how we got the bible and what happened to moses or this that doesn't mean the spirit's teaching me. The spirit's teaching me when I understand what it means. What does the the Bible mean when it says this, right? Well, in our minds we're going to quickly default to what we think. We're, we we would try quickly to humanize it given all the capabilities that human beings have. That's how we would somehow retrofit what the Bible says into that construct. But this, God God is not a man. God is not human. And he has thoughts that are outside the realm of human understanding. So we have to have humility here. So point D, we're moving into this. Many are willing to follow God. They will. They will be happy to tell you they're following God and to let you know uh, they're following God, but until it contradicts something they believe, and when that happens, uh, that's when uh, they revolt, right? They they turn aside. So they're they're willing to follow as long as you're talking about something that they agree with. When as soon as they don't agree with something, that that means it got to be false, right? But again, they're judging truth based on their norms and traditional standards, which is wrong. So when following the spirit of truth, this is what we should have. We should expect that there would be change. And the expectation of change. I have Acts 7.54 here. I'm just going to read it, uh, see what what I've included here. So 7.54, a lot of verses in Acts 7. Says when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, and this is uh, Stephen was, uh, they had him on trial, as it were, some mock trial. They were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. So t- think about how angry they were when he was telling them what the truth was, and they were instead of them saying, "Oh, you know, that's quite interesting what you're saying. Tell me more." No. What was their reaction? They were furious and gnashed uh, their teeth at him. Well, we know what happened. Uh, Stephen was overcome by them. He, they stoned him to death. They killed him as a result of that. So, uh, so there w- what we should get from this point is that we should expect change. And to be able to expect change, change that will contradict things that you have in your heart, that's tough. That is tough, I will tell you. I mean, you don't, everybody wants to be right about the things that they believe. And if if the Bible teaches that, the you know, there's some other, we will kind of like read over those verses. And then we'll always look for some other way that they could, this verse could mean that this and then and if it means that then possibly what i hold doesn't have to change but you know what embrace change look if the holy spirit is leading and guiding you into all truth you don't know what all truth looks like and you are following so that leads us to our next point is we should let the spirit of truth do the leading and we should seek to become experts and following and what is that that's humility i mean it's kind of goes with with territory here spirit of truth leading and guiding us we don't know where we're going what are we doing we're following the holy spirit and can you imagine every time the holy spirit makes a turn do we sit here and question him wait a minute why is he turning down that road i don't think that's the right way to go who told him to go that way i mean that's not the way we've gone before and so forth and so on right this is how we would look at that and What we should do is come to respect what the Bible teaches and have the humility, no matter how it disrupts or or changes the way we we think about things, but allow God. And you know, when you do that, what you come to find is that God is not, he doesn't have you out there on a limb, even though it says we are the branches, (laughs) this well this is this is my metaphor you know we're not out there on a limb and god we don't have any place else to go right because it doesn't make any sense right a a lot of people think that they think that what the truth that they have in their heart it all makes sense to them it all balances out perfectly well when god comes and says no it's not like that we're like wait a minute hold on if if we take this out then it's not going to make sense over here So what God is saying is, yeah, it makes sense, but not your way. It makes sense when I put it together. You may have to discard some things in your foundation that you have always believed, that Mama taught you. And then you may have to replace them with what God is teaching you from the Bible, what the Spirit of Truth is teaching. And then it's not just, okay, uh, Spirit of Truth said that. Not only, the Bible knowledge is progressive. So you need this doctrine to build on to the next doctrine, to build on to the next doctrine. You can't say, well, i got all these other doctrines and I forget the ones that were the foundation. No, not at all. How desperately we need the foundation. The problem is that people don't have a foundation and they are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming, says Ephesians chapter 4. And so what we need is the foundation of truth. And you know what? It makes sense. But at first, I will be honest and say, you are hanging out there a little bit because it's different. Whenever there's change, there's uncertainty. There's no familiarity. And you, you feel a little tense about abandoning something, when you don't fully understand what it is you're grabbing on to, so there is that period where you do go through that. But you know what? That is where you have to listen to the Spirit of Truth. You have to be inquisitive and and ask questions. It's okay. God the Holy Spirit is not mad if you ask where He's going. Uh, but what you should do is just be you know allow Him to to teach you what He wants to teach you. So let the spirit of truth do the leading. We have to become experts in following. Point F. For the disciples, the Father's plan was unfolding. Right? They they were at the cusp of some very important things happening. The death, the burial, the resurrection, ascension, accession, the sending of God the Holy Spirit. Right? This was this was all happening in a matter of a month or two. Uh, this is pentecost was 50 days from passover so that's how long this happened that the disciples were in this place where they you know all of these things were unfolding to them that was what they were going through for us though we're looking back at all these events and we can say oh yeah so yeah the death the burial we saw the death yeah he prophesied that you know all these things and we see it happen yeah this confirms our faith and trust in the bible and But for them, just think about it. They were going through it. They were watching God's plan as it unfolded. And it was not what they thought it would have been. In fact, we spoke about this before. Not one of the disciples, the women, nobody believed that Christ was coming back from the dead. Even though he had raised Lazarus, you should, have thought, you should have thought, well, you know, he raised Lazarus. He did do that. He said he was coming back, you know. No, we don't read anywhere in the Bible where any of the disciples said, yes, don't you remember that he said he was coming back? And sh- sure enough, let's go. Let's, let's expect that he's coming. No, that was not the case. And that was one of the previous points I'm saying, expect change. And the change is what the Spirit of Truth is teaching. So, for us, it's a focus on the glorious plan revealed. And when I say glorious pl- plan, if we read Ephesians, I'm going to read it, Ephesians 3, 10 and 11, uh, just so we can have, uh, here it is. <clears throat> His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. It, it, these verses are paramount. They are at the top of our understanding. So, to be able to say that the revelation that we have from the Spirit of Truth is the eternal purpose of God in all things? Imagine that to be the greatest thing ever, the greatest revelation of God ever. That's what we have to think about. And that is what we have in this revelation of the spirit of truth, not only exposing us, but teaching us Guiding us into this truth, so let's talk about truth. Here we go. So here it is. Uh, but when He, the Spirit of Truth, comes, He will guide you. And here, in this last phrase, into all truth. And I had this as the last phrase because I just don't think we could have covered all of this information in one sitting. But it's okay. We, God willing, will will be here and we'll continue. Well, let's let's get into this, into all truth. And listen, I, I'm not saying whatever, how many points are here. <laughs> this is not the last word on truth, for sure. We have much more to say. And we want to explore that much more, that like Christ said to the disciples. That's what we have. So point, point A, let's move in. Um, if the Spirit of Truth is coming to guide the disciples into all truth, then for sure... They didn't have all the truth. Uh, it, it is only sort of a pivotal point to make that God does not give us what we don't need. We need all truth. And there was a reason why we have it. Uh, we should not assume that you know we have all truth. And the truth that we have is relative to what is said to be a mystery. And when it says when Paul uses the word mystery, he's not he's not saying it's still a mystery. He always usually follows that up with what, what is now revealed, right? He's not saying that it's still a mystery. What he means is it is hidden from those who are in the Old Testament. It was hid in God, as our verse in Ephesians says, right? according to His eternal purpose, which He accomplished in Christ Jesus, or Here in verse 9, to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Well, if God hid this, and he's the one who created all things, then all things revolve around these things, now that he's revealing. These things are now available for us to know. Uh, Do we see a lot of people running toward this? No, unfortunately not. People are more focused on the spirit of truth, giving them some emotional wave of spiritual goosebumps or something. That's not it. That's not truth. That's emotion. Now, now if it was the spirit, I would have to give in and say, okay, 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 they're probably right if Jesus said the spirit of emotion. But he did not say that. He said the spirit of truth. And then what is truth related to? Jesus says what? Everything I've been telling, he's going to tell you not only everything I've been t- I've already told you, but he's going to add much more to that. So we're not talking about emotion, we're talking about information. And this information is new. So we have to say it's revelation. Revelation is literally God revealing himself to us. Illumination is where, okay, we have the revelation of God. What does it mean? How how does the Spirit teach that so that we understand it? We can apply it to our lives, to our experience. That's more in terms of illumination. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He not only brought the Word through the apostles and the prophets, right? He revealed it, but he also illuminates it so that we can understand it. We understand how to use it. It turns into wisdom for us as we are on the ground right now. So it makes sense that the Holy Spirit is the guide. And what is the destination? All truth. All the truth. We're going to get into more. So point B, what is truth? We just have to start with Basic understanding. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That's John seventeen seventeen. Well, that's easy for us because everybody in our church has memorized that text because it is the the uh, the premier text for where we get our name. Word is truth. Christian church. That's where we get it from. That verse, John seventeen seventeen. Sanctify them, meaning. Set them apart. Jesus is talking about the disciples. Set them apart by me. How, how do we set them apart? Dress them all with hats. Uh, dress them all with certain robes, with certain colors. No, none of that. We set them apart. That's what sanctify means for God's holy purposes, by means of truth. What's truth? Your word is truth. That's what truth is. That's how we are to be distinguished in this world. Not because you sing very well, or you got some sort of, uh, you know, boisterous uh, voice, or, or 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 whatever you uh, fill in the blank with, but how we are distinguished in this world is truth. Not because you wear a cross, or not because you, you, you put you know you hold your Bible a certain way, or that you let people know you're a Christian. It's by the truth. And this truth that we're talking about is what the spirit of truth is leading and guiding us into. So, I, I don't have to say that when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, when, when we receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, God's not going to ask you, did you wear a cross? Or did uh, you know you dress a certain way? or It's all about truth. It's all about, did you allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you into all truth? Did you do that? Did you allow him in humility to do that? And that's, that's what you will have to answer for yourself. I can't answer for you. Point C. Truth then is God's revelation. If, it's, if he says the word is truth, well, the word is a revelation of God. That's clear. Right? God is revealing not only what he thinks about himself, but what he thinks about man. Like we read that scripture uh, in Ephesians uh, chapter 2. It says, As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. And when you followed the ways of this world, the prince of the ruler of the air, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh like the others. Like You know, that scripture is the revelation of God. You would not think of yourself that way most people in the world don't they don't think of themselves as dead or like in uh, Romans 3 right where it says there is we're all under sin there is no one who does good there's no one who is righteous there is no one who sees that's not something we would think about ourselves where's the dignity of humanity it's not there (laughs) that's for sure but what is that that's how God thinks about us How would we know that? God has to tell us. We can't find it by digging up rocks and looking at ancient civilizations and ruins and and reading books that are uh, secular uh, or or looking at the, the theory of evolution. None of that could tell us the revelation of God. So when God tells us this information, it's valuable. Revelation, I mean, the Mosaic Law was the revelation of God. Is what God wanted for the nation Israel. What His intentions were, He laid them all out to the Israelites. And so, what we have in this particular revelation is what God's interests are for the church. Right? We just talked about His eternal, the Father's eternal purpose and. How it is all laid out, and what eventually we'll see what our role is. What we, how do we fit into the Father's plan? What is important about us, and on and on. We can. There's so much more to talk about. That the uh, only thing to do is to begin to follow, just like we've been been saying. So it's God's revelation. It's His reality. This is when we say His reality. Satan, conversely, is said to be somebody who is deceiving or, you know, throwing smoke screens up so people can't really see what God is trying to say. And uh, God is trying to reveal himself. Satan is trying to hide God and reveal his way. We're born in sin, so obviously we know about sin and Satan's way. But God is the one, it is upon him to reveal himself to us. But it's his reality. What he understands about himself. There was no way you could know about God. No way. A- unless God reveals himself. So that's what's key. Uh, truth, it's, it's the revelation. It's his reality. His perspective. His view of things. Isn't his view way more important than our view? <laughs> we could We're coming from a position of death separation from God. So we're separated from the reality of God. We're separated from what God thinks, his view, and the articulation of God in writing. In other words, the word of God. God has put what he thinks in writing, and then he's preserved it for us, even as we are here in 2021. And said, we're not just saying that the word is here. We're saying that it is still true. It is still it still rings true the word of God, and it's when we say it's preserved it it those two things come to mind. So that's what truth is, and so when when so if point D truth is found in the thirty nine books of the Old Testament scriptures. Without God revealing Himself, we would not have that information otherwise, but. Here, in our scripture, all truth, all the truth, completes the revelation of God to man, and it is revealed by the spirit of truth. Uh, One scripture I'd like to read is Colossians. We have covered this already, I know, but it never uh, is laborious to go over again, especially as we are in the context of what is truth, right? And we're talking about truth. So 39 books of the Old Testament, yeah, that's truth. But what the spirit of truth is going to bring is not the 39 books of the Old Testament. Because what we have is hidden from them and is now revealed to us. So if it was hidden from them, they don't know it. They couldn't know it. It was hid in God. So now uh, what we have is an augmentation. We'll get to that point. So let's read Colossians 1 24. So I'll, I'll now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. So Paul is saying he's under suffering, right? And he's saying I'm willing to do more suffering for the sake of. Of his body, which is the church. There it is. So the subject, Paul says, I'm suffering. And that's fine. I'm willing to suffer more for the church. And he says, verse 25, I have become its, the church's servant by the commission God gave me. God made him an apostle. To present to you the word of God, notice, in its fullness. So, you mean, if... God commissioned the Apostle Paul, he's a servant of the church, he's, to present the Word of God in its fullness. That means we didn't have the Word of God in its fullness. We didn't. And so what, what was lacking, Paul wants to fill it up. He wants to you know, bring the Word of God in its fullness. The fullness means, that word, pleroma, Means to fill up that which is lacking. So it's like you have a half a glass of water and you look at it, you say, Well, that, it's not full. So what do you want to do? You want to fill it up. That's what the apostle's saying. I want to fill up what is lacking. And what does he mean? He has to be talking about information, revelation, right? So then let's get on with it. Verse 26. The mystery. This is what we talked about. Whenever Paul talks about this mystery, He's going to say it is also now, it's not still a mystery, it's going to be disclosed, right? So the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations means it wasn't in the Old Testament. So this information that we have is not for them, it's for us. But it is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So there's there's one of the mystery verses right there. But in that verse, Paul he tells us that it is his job to fill in the gaps of information, revelation that were hidden. That this this information was hidden from Old Testament people. So what we need to understand is. Is, is not, this the all truth that we have in the spirit of truth is not the Old Testament scriptures. Even though I'm saying truth is found in Old Testament scriptures. Because without the revelation of God, without his perspective, right, his, his articulation of it in writing, we would not have truth in the Old Testament. But now there's something else. That's why it's all the truth. It completes the revelation of God to man, and it is revealed by the spirit of truth. And then there's 1 Corinthians 13. This may take a little longer. Um, Let's look at my time. We're getting there. 1 Corinthians 13, I'm just going to quickly go over it, and you may ask questions about it later. 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 8 through 12, says, Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will cease. Whether there are tongues, they will be still. Whether there is knowledge, it will pass away. So notice what what do all of these three three things that he mentions have in common? They all, all bring revelation of God, prophecies, knowledge, the gift of knowledge, tongues, where people can speak in a foreign language. So what what they speak is what God wants them to speak. Where, where is where knowledge and all that? It says it will pass away. Tongues would be still prophecy will cease verse nine so he gives explanation by what he means for we know in part and we prophesy in part so the gift of prophecy um, and knowledge here know in part prophesy in part the gift of knowledge and prophecy are mentioned and they are in part. what do you mean in part meaning we don't have the fullness of that we don't we only have a little bit. So in the early church, they didn't have the mystery revelation that we've been talking about. This revelation in writing, they didn't have it. Like we have the Old Testament, like the Mosaic Law. We can read, and God spake until the, this is King James. He spake until the children of Israel and said, thus saith the Lord. You know, we can hear exactly what God said. We don't have that for the New Testament yet. At the time of Paul's writing, this is what he means. We we are telling you this truth, but it's only in part. We don't have the fullness isn't here yet. But when the completeness comes, what is in part disappears. So, in other words, if if God has given it to us in writing, then we don't need for people to prophesy in part anymore because we have the fullness. The completeness is uh, that which the parts should equal up to, right? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about knowledge and wisdom, and we're talking about revelation of God. So when it comes, obviously, we don't need the parts. We got the fullness. Verse 13, 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, in other words, when I get to complete, I put the ways of childhood behind me. What are ways of childhood? He's speaking about prophesying in part, right? Uh, knowledge in part, right? tongues in, in that will eventually be stilled. Right? For now, we see only a reflection, as in a the mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now, so reflection is in the mirror. Well, the ancient days mirrors weren't like they are today. You look in the mirror today, you're going to see exactly what you look like it's a good mirror. But in the ancient world they had water, they had shined metal, you know, polished metal, but it wasn't like the mirrors we have today. And so he's using that analogy. We look in the mirror, we see a poor reflection. It's not perfect. But then when we when the whole completed uh word that in writing comes, we shall see face to face in other words god will have told us everything we need to know so it's like when jesus says i have much more to tell you more than you can now bear well that when he tells us that much more then we have it all at some point right and that is what he's talking about now i know in part then shall i know fully even as i am fully known does god know me absolutely he knows me fully then i will know him fully well why do i know him fully how, can, how should I know fully? Well, because God is giving us his eternal purpose, the intents of his heart. Not just saying, hey, let me tell you something about the Amorites or the Amalekites. He's saying this whole thing, where I've decided to create all things, had a purpose to it. And I'm going to tell you what that purpose is. So you'll know fully me just as I know you fully. So verse 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. So we're not talking about heaven, we're talking about on earth, but the greatest of these is love. So He's been talking about love the whole chapter, and that's what really is the emphasis in 1 Corinthians 13. He uses the spiritual gifts because people are infatuated and intrigued by the spiritual gifts, which really they have taken them out of their proper context. We can certainly talk about that one more. Point E. In our notes, we're going to get through them, I think. The danger in resisting the spirit of truth leads to rejection of truth. Think about that. The rejection of truth resulting in man being left to their own imaginations. So I'm going to go to Romans uh, 1, 20 through 25. <clears throat> you reject the spirit of truth? Well, you're rejecting truth. Uh, just like they gnashed their teeth and went in and killed Stephen. Right, that was the, the rejection of truth. So 20 through 25, Romans 1 and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Idolatry. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. And get this, verse 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. So what you have here is rejection of the Spirit of Truth, of what God the Holy Spirit is teaching, resulting in idolatry, ignorance, uh, worship of the lie. These are all things that happen as a result of rejecting the Spirit of Truth. You are returning your back on God, as it were. Point F, we're moving forward. Since the Spirit is guiding us into all truth, then truth is not simply defined by what the Bible says, but what the Bible means or teaches. This is an important distinction. So we covered this already, hopefully in preparation for this. But this is what you should come to the understanding of when we talk about the Spirit of Truth. Right. So just because like we said we have the Bible, right? Everybody can say what the Bible says. That's I can even have a person a child who just re- can read can read you what the Bible says, but does not meaning it does not mean they have the understanding of what the Bible teaches. For that, you need to have humility to the spirit of truth. Uh, And we say this is an important distinction. Now, God has also ordained the pastor-teacher, if you go to Ephesians 4, which I don't have the scripture. It's 11 through 14. But if you look at that, Ephesians chapter 4, the pastor, under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit, which is a gift, is also equipped to uh, equip the saints for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up and we will all come to unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature and so forth. That's the goal of the Holy Spirit's gift of pastor-teacher for the body. Notice what it does. It provides the information that we've been talking about in a way that people are able to assimilate it and grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. So it's not, if God didn't need a pastor or a teacher, he wouldn't have given us one. Just like if we didn't need the guidance of the Spirit, then we wouldn't have the Spirit. We need not only the guidance of the Spirit, we also need the pastor teacher to be able to articulate, to break it down for us, to help us understand, to meet us right where we are. To teach us and move us forward in the plan. Point G, we're moving all the truth, right? And we talk about into all the truth. So the Spirit will review what Jesus taught and continue to teach the much more information. We, We learned that already as well. So notice it's an augmenting of what Jesus taught. It is a rehearsal and an augmenting of what Jesus taught. It's not just, oh, well, you know, the Spirit of Truth will give you some uh, information that's all new. No, Jesus says it's it's really, as you're going to learn in the next verse, he's going to take from what is mine. So even even as Jesus left, even though he left here, it's not here physically, he's going to be still teaching us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus is still the one leading and guiding us. It's just that he's doing it now through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about the Holy Spirit's ministries on another time. Point H. The all truth will not contradict the previous revelation, but will complete and augment the body of truth to man. Now the Jews did not accept this thought at all. They looked at this as an affront. How in the world can you say that the Mosaic law is not in force? And and, and the church is called and we're not the called anymore. What, what is this? Right. So there is a lot of explanation given. God does give an apology. Now, an apology means a defense to uh, those questions. And we find them right there in the word, primarily in Romans and Galatians. So... We have the information, right? The progression of uh, the Word of God, and so that is important, right? It, it completes the body of truth. So, in other words, once we, it makes sense once you got the revelation of the mystery, uh, you understand what that is, and now you're able to look down at the past and see how that integrates, and you can look at the future and see, also how the spirit of truth, uh, the revelation, integrates with the body of truth. So, point uh, I, God's revelation is progressive. For instance, the Old Testament constantly refers to a Messiah coming. The New Testament knows it is the Lord Jesus Christ and integrates that into all the previous revelations. So, we we ought to understand, as we read the Old Testament, and we know New Testament information. And and just to note, the, the mystery is not Jesus Christ. The Old Testament did prophesy that he would come. I'm just giving you an example here, but it's not necessarily the mystery. We could use something that was not in the Old Testament that is relative to the new. Uh, this new information, like the baptism of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit, the gifting, the church. All of those things were hidden uh, from Old Testament uh, theology. It would, just was not in it at all. Not by prophecy. You couldn't guess it, right? It was not in the heart of man whatsoever. Point J. The new revelation from the Spirit of Truth is said to be categorized as de- the deep things of God in contrast to milk. I mean, you could look at uh, this information in 1 Corinthians 2. We will quickly go there. I know we're running out of time. I know. And we may have to end, but uh, let's see if we can finish this point up uh, here. So 1 Corinthians two ten says, These things, well, I should read the first one, 9. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived... Uh, these things God has prepared for those who love him. And then verse 10 says, These are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. There it is, that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So God is not given us this revelation to say, okay, so now I'm giving you the revelation about the milk of the word. Well, we already had the milk of the word in the Old Testament. So is God, is the revelation about the milk of the word? No, it's about the deep things of God. And if you read in verse seven, no, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and destined for our glory before time began. And verse six says, we do ever, we do however however speak a message of wisdom among the mature. So the fact that this information matures, with no I have it's the deep things of God. It's later in verse 16, the mind of Christ. The, who has known the mind of the Lord? But we have the mind of Christ. How do we have that? By means of the Spirit. That's how. That's how we have it. And then if we look at... Um, 1-3 1 through three, uh, he, uh, First Corinthians talks about I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit but people who are still worldly and mere infants in Christ verse 2 I gave you milk not solid food for you were not ready for it indeed you are still not ready so there's a contrast with milk and meat solid food which is meat and um, here we Paul wants to give them meat but they're not ready for it. And then Hebrews 5, I'm going to let you read that one on your own. It talks about, by now, you guys should have been teachers, but you need somebody to, to teach you all over again the basic principles of God. Point K, truth is foreign to our knowledge, wisdom, and experience. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 talks about it from that vantage point. You know what, we're going to end We're going to talk more about this next week. And we're going to integrate the rest of the verse in as well. But I don't want to rush. As we said in the opening. I want to take our time with these words. And not rush through them. And and then just teach them. The importance of them is overwhelming. They're very precious. So it gives us direction about who the Holy Spirit is, what he would do, what is his work. And what we find on the other side of this, the other side of Pentecost, is that God has revealed something that is overwhelming and that we will need the Holy Spirit to comprehend every step of the way. So let's do that. Let's take our time. And next week we will, God willing, we'll be here and we'll continue what we have started let's bow our heads father thank you so much for your revelation for your word that has been preserved to us even in 2021 father we thank you we're so thankful that you have chose us in christ before the world began we're thankful for not only your provisions for us here in this age that we live in but what you have made of us, what your intentions are for us, Father. Thank you for those who have joined. We pray that we will continue to uh, have this outlet where we can talk about these things openly and freely, and others can come in and ask questions and and inquire, uh, and and that they know that you have made spiritual logical sense out of these things So, Father we thank you for the privilege of studying your word with the spirit of truth guiding us all of this we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Amen. Amen. Amen Amen
2: Amen